This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, guys? We are live on a Tuesday night, now just two days away from the draft. I'm really excited about finally reaching the finish line of this thing. It's been it's been such a long journey, and you guys have been with us as I've switched over to this nightly YouTube podcast idea. Uh, it's been crazy. My wife has hated me a little bit, but, you know, I find this to be important time for the Cleveland Browns, and you guys have been great. We've had over 15,000 views alone on just this YouTube stream on this show. We're up to 40,000 downloads on podcasts that we post the next day. So you guys have been great. 50 people hanging out right now. Cannot thank you enough for the support. I think we got a good little community of people showing up in the conversation section every night. I love it. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. I'm always open to any any guests you guys want on, any uh, changes to the show, tweaks. We have up on the board here you see in front of you uh, a listing for our draft show, which we're really excited about. So if you are a usual NFL network or ESPN watcher and you you love watching the draft, I hope you come and watch it with us. We're going to have live picks. It's going to be the same setup. The pick is in, throwing the pick up on the board, um, all of that stuff that you would normally see from ESPN. But we're going to talk about the players, how it pertains to the Browns. If they're uh, a team that's on the Browns schedule, we're going to look and talk about them. We're going to be crazy lunatics and beyond for the whole first round. 7.30 to whenever it wraps up because we don't know when the Browns will pick at the end of the first round. Who knows what they'll do. And then we'll come back on at 7.30 for the for the kind of intro part of the second round, uh, you know, right when they're in the thick of it. It starts at 7 on Friday. We'll come on at 7.30 and stick around till they make their pick. So we're pumped. We're excited. Everybody, Fred Greetham, Jared Mueller will be up there live on site to have conversations. Lane Atkins will pop by. Um, we'll have uh, Barry McBride, all of, our, all of our people, Cody Sweck, uh, Stephen Thomas will be here. Mr. Mock Draft himself will be here all night. We'll have info on every player uh, and links back to all of the profile pages we've written up on these guys. So you will find a ton of in-depth analysis. Reminder to go there. Reminder to house cleaning items. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. Every time we go live, you will get notified on your phone or your computer that we are live so you don't miss anything. And then please like uh, review all of that fun stuff on the podcast side of things, Apple, Spotify, however you get your podcasts. That support and love is greatly appreciated. We have a great guest tonight, a good a good friend of mine who, uh, who's, who's been nothing but great to me for my time covering the Browns uh, from the very beginning all the way to now. It's uh, Cleveland.com's very own, covers Ohio State, covers the Brown. Doug Marie, how are you, my friend? I'm doing Jake, man. I'm doing Jake. I just said I'm you doing, are Jake. doing Jake. You, you are, are in. Doing Jake. My head, man. I think about Jake Burns so much. I just said I'm doing Jake. 
So I'm doing great. It's great to be with you, my friend. I told I told Doug before he came on. He has the single most comfortable setup for a a uh, a live stream that I've ever seen. He's got it mastered. I've got this rickety old computer chair. I need to get me a recliner like that one. That's impressive stuff, man. I look like Jabba the Hut when I do that. So I'll sit up <laughs> for, the, for the good people. I'll all, just sit up. It's all about the angles, as they say, right? Yeah. So, um, listen, I, we've had conversations over this whole rebuild, man, about where they're at, what they're. I just kind of want to get your feel, Doug, with like. Where do you think the Browns are right now? Do you do you feel like they are truly on the precipice of going to the Super Bowl, or do you feel like eh, they're kind of maybe a year away, kind of thing still? Maybe there's more to prove here, or are they like like you know they're really on the precipice of this thing. You, I am not the person to ask that question. Yes, because you are. because as soon as the Super Bowl ended, I wrote, "Are the Browns the third best team in the NFL?" So that's what I thought. Like right then, I was like the Bucks had just won the Super Bowl. And I was like, I'm not sure the Bucks are better than the Browns. Like, I'll give you the Chiefs, right? I'm not a hundred percent sure the Bucks are gonna be better than the Browns in 2021. And then they added Jadavion Clowney, right? But then and then that was even before free agency. That was before John Johnson and Troy Hill and all the things that you knew they were gonna do things like that. But I thought we all thought that they were very effective and strategic on the defensive side of the ball in free agency. So they are there. I would argue, I could argue that this is the year that I think, I mean, again, we all see the same stuff, but if you're looking at long-term, the guys are going to have to sign, you know, are are you going to have Beckham and Landry in 2022, just with how much they cost and the way that's going to work out? Are you going to have all five starting offensive linemen back in 2022? They just have too many good players, Jake, and they are still in this last year. Hashtag too many good players. They are still in 2021, I think, still in this realm of they aren't yet having to pay for all the good young talent so they can have some of these older guys. But Sheldon Richardson, again, was the first window into what's going to start happening. This is going to be the sign of success for the Browns is they're going to lose good players that they would like to keep because they're not going to have the money to do everything they want to do. And that's what happens to good teams. So we all have to get used to that. That is a sign of success. It's a badge of honor to say, Sheldon Richardson, man, we love you. You're productive. But at that number, with everything else we're trying to do, it doesn't work at that number, right? Maybe he'll be back at a smaller number. But I think this is it. Now, it doesn't mean they can't win the Super Bowl in future years. But I think we may look back and say their best roster was in 2021. Now, if Andrew Barry starts pulling rabbits out of the hat and gets pro bowlers at pick 26 and finds multi-year starters in the fifth round, then they can keep at that level. But they're loaded for bear, man. They, they, They are ready to win right now. It's like the conversation about what was that 2015 Ohio State be, being the most talented team of that of that little run they had right when they won it in 2014. So I'm with you. I think we could look back on this and say the opportunity before Baker, before Denzel, before Nick, before Wyatt Teller uh, that they had an opportunity to kind of collect and add these young guys. Uh, the, the the short contract that these young guys are on in in in, in flux real free agency dollars it's interesting it's it's a fascinating time with where they're at which which leads me to another question like do you think um listen here's here's what i'll, I'll put up because i was going to ask him it's a great timing by aaron pierce one of our listeners he said the, the bleacher report package kind of says 
you know, the Browns could get somebody like Stephon Gilmore. We know they need another corner. It's not a secret. They, they can't trust Greedy Williams' shoulder. Like, this is a real need for them. Pass coverage is a real need. Uh, somebody like Gilmore for 59-81, um, or there was an idea of like a 72-20-23 uh, for David Njoku. I'm interested in the Gilmore deal specifically. Are you like, are you all in to the point that you would sacrifice some of the future assets such as that to like go get somebody like Stephon Gilmore or go get somebody else that maybe a team is floating around on draft night that we don't even know about? Like, is that the type of all in they are? Or are like Andrew, like Andrew Barry kind of noted the other day where we're playing the long game here. Do you expect them to find a balance? And I'm also wondering, which is a big question in your opinion, Doug, is, you know, you're, 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 your colleagues are up there. You're up there. You're talking to these people too. Like, do you think they trade back? Like, I'm kind of interested in, in where you think they end up going. Do they sit there? Do they do they give up some assets for some proven right now guys? Or do they trade back and look to kind of long game this thing? So I do think uh, there's just such a difference of going for it with draft capital versus going for it with like, hey, let's sign Clowney, right? Let's sign Tack sure. and Clowney. And like, it's not cost anything. You have the cap space. Try it. Take this one-year shot. I think we do have to remember, for instance, you know, the Odell Beckham trade, that's a first round pick that they spent on that. That's not a young player in the pipeline because you went with the pick there. Um, Greedy Williams, second round pick that year. You don't know exactly what that's going to do. So they have, and that was, you know, pre the, pre Andrew Barry, but they did take a shot with the first rounder. I do think maybe they would be reluctant, depending what the picks were, to trade too many young picks because you have to replenish this pipeline. And you have to have guys who you get now who in two and three years are going to be ready to replace some of the high-priced veterans that you can't keep around. Now, Stephon Gilmore might help you make win the Super Bowl this year. So, like, <laughs> I, I'm not – and they have, right, they have an extra third. They have an extra fourth. That lessens the blow of trading a second-round pick, right? I mean, I think they have a little maneuverability here. I think we all agree having nine picks – the goal of adding these extra picks isn't necessarily to say we want nine rookies on the roster. So you think they're going to do some stuff. So I don't hate it. You know, I mean, I, I you've got to figure some of this out. I think there's a limit and I don't know enough about the Gilmore contract and everything and how it all fits. I do think there's a limit because they are really all in. Even with the clowny thing, I said, it's like they were already a Super Bowl contender. Clowny mm -hmm. did not make them a Super Bowl contender. They already were. And they added on top of that. I thought they were a Super Bowl contender when I thought Tack McKinley was going to get a bunch of snaps opposite Miles Garrett. So Stephon Gilmore is like next level icing on the cake because nobody goes one through 22 in their starters and says we're perfect. And we all agree where the spot is. It's the greedy spot. That's, that's the of one through 22. That's the question mark, especially with positional value. We all see that. So I can, I could get behind it. If it to it handicaps you in the future to some extent, I don't have enough of a handle to know to what extent, but I could get behind it. And then again, that's the kind of thing you bring in Gilmore, you trade Njoku, that replenishes some of the assets you lost for Gilmore. You feel good about Hooper and Harrison Bryant. Maybe you go fishing for another tight end in the middle rounds. And this, like, that's the kind of thing that we're gonna, gonna have to get used to. There are gonna be four or five at the most pillars here. And everything, everything else over the next five, six years of winning is going to be Andrew Blair playing these games, moving in and out, Clowney for a year, McKinley for a year, the, you know, Stephon Gilmore for a year or for a short window. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. This. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is a Super Bowl year. This is a Super Bowl year, and I think they know that too. Now, I've talked to enough. They're not all into the extent of like hell-bent on we're going to sacrifice Lots of future for this because they do see this as an extended window for sure, and it is. And their core is young. Their core is still. It's not like they have it Aaron Rodgers and and like De- Devonte Adams who are aging. Like you got a core that's still young. So you're right. You're right about that. Um, let Let me ask you this. Okay, if you had to predict it right now, we'll. we'll, we'll I have some other questions I want to talk about outside the draft. Like, what do you think they do? Do you think they sit pat or do you think they move some things around? Do we see a couple trades? Do you think they push off some picks to 2022? What's your gut tell you two days ahead of this thing? Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I think it's more likely that they trade up, probably, to, to get a guy... I think the extra third rounder makes more sense, even though I just did my prediction today and I had him trade in a third rounder for your future third rounder. Just push that down the line, right? Okay. But I do think the idea of, I think Peter King had it in his mock draft. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a guy that you want at 26 that you're not sure is going to get to 26 and you've got to spend one of your third rounders to move up three or four or five spots to get the guy that you want, that you think helps give your Super Bowl run a turbo boost right now, but is also a long-term piece of the puzzle. That's what that third rounder is for to me. I think that is very easy to do that. You throw that in there, you move up four spots, you get your guy. I see that as very possible. I mean, if again, if they're trading down, they're trading down for future picks, which continues to give that flexibility. But with all this stuff, at some point, when you gather draft capital, it's for the point of using it. Sure. Right, so they've gathered gathered an extra third and an extra fourth. This might be a use year, not a gather year. Maybe it is a gather year, and you push that extra third rounder off. You save it for the future. So next year you can jump and go get a guy you really like. But I do think I am. Um, I I would be very aware of them moving from twenty six to twenty one with that third rounder to get their guy, especially if it's a defensive playmaker that they think is getting to them. Yeah, I think that it could get interesting. If uh, there's going to be a run on corners, uh, and if the first three guys go early, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, Caleb Farley, and they really like Greg Newsom, kid from Northwestern, who I know you watched a lot through his career, is is 
sitting there and there's a teams like Chicago. I look at the 2021-22 Chicago, Indianapolis, Tennessee, all in really bad cornerback situations. I would be like, okay, Chicago maybe takes a wide receiver, jump in front, see if Indy will let you come up and take something like that can make sense to me. I'm not sure that I would move up. You're the first person I've had really uh, uh, predict that they will move up. So I find that I like different points of view. So that's fascinating to me. And I, I listen, I'm with you. If they have a guy they love and can, and can really be a key part, they think like Antoine Winfield was, I know Antoine Winfield's a second round guy, but like somebody who's a real core guy of a Super Bowl run, they think he's a part that they can solve a position that they need to get better at. Go get him. I'm okay with that, man. I like justification. They usually give pretty sound justification. I keep saying about this front office, Doug, I trust them until I don't have a reason to trust them. They've made all the right moves. They've made the only thing I can maybe complain about if I wanted to be picky was the lack of aggression at safety last year, going and getting a few more answers there. They kind of got late rolling and got Ronnie Harrison. They left themselves in a situation where Sandejo had to play out of position. That's me being nitpicky, but like, They've been good. They've made a lot of great choices. And, and somebody asked me, actually, I was on the um, the, the 4 o'clock show, the Cleveland.com mm-hmm. show, the, and they asked me today, and I know you go on there all the time, they asked me today, like, have D and Jimmy Haslam figured this thing out? And I'm like, I mean, I, I like kind of, but they also just the year before passed on the guy they should have taken, right? Like, that's what's kind of funny to me with the revisionist history, and I want opinion on it, is like, is – they're lucky that Kevin Stefanski was was grounded enough to come back. Like he could have been really bothered by being passed up for a guy who was inferior, right? Like a guy who Freddie Kitchens is no secret that he was not ready for that job from pretty much everybody in that profession that has mentioned this. Like I think it's pretty obvious Kevin thought he was the best person for that job, and he could have been like, ah, I'm not going back to Cleveland, I'm not doing it. But he did. He came back, he took the job, and then they took a leap of faith. And they took a risk on a young uh, GM, and they did so. They did some good things, but I think some of it is like, have they figured it out? In your opinion, do you think that they're like? I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm not making this a great question. I suck at questions. I'm not a great host, Doug. I think what I'm getting at is like, do you think that the Haslam's have kind of figured out like, okay, we've got these guys, and we're we're out. We're just gonna let them do it. Or do you still think some of those old Sports Illustrated articles about them meddling with other people in the building and? getting a pick like do you think that stuff's still gonna happen or do you think they've, they've got it i mean it was so bad for so long right i sure. mean it was unnaturally divisive i mean it feels like to me they just and i know people i think people in the media and some people push back against this i think they finally went all in on listening to paul de podesta which they had been partially listening mm-hmm. to him and now if paul de podesta is a guy who says Andrew Barry is the type of guy you want. Kevin Stefanski is the type of guy you want. We have to remember they hired the coach before they hired the GM. You could all kind of feel that was that it was in tandem. I think a lot of people thought as they hired Stefanski that Andrew Barry was coming, but they finally, I think, got around to a way of doing business. And I think even more than people, and this isn't about analytics, it's about a cohesive way of doing business, whatever way you choose. So they chose a way initially not everybody in the building was on board. They couldn't hang on to it. They went back another way. They kind of, right, they didn't get the right people. I think they have a, a strategy. So I think they're invested in a strategy. And I know I wrote a couple years ago of just sort of like to the Haslam's, like, just go away. Like, <laughs> thanks for the money, but just yeah. like go away for two years. And I think the best thing about them is like they spoke on Tuesday 
but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like the Haslam's. I don't. I'm not trying to be disparaging to them. It doesn't feel like they matter a whole lot to the football operation right now, which is a credit to them. Yes. And I know they are doing real things in the community, and I think they are. They try to be a good partner with Cleveland, and they are invested in that, and I think that's important too. But I think they're letting the football people do the football things, and they have a top-down strategy of how to do their business, and I think that's what we're seeing. And it took a while. It took a lot of lumps. It took a lot of learning. But to their credit, I mean, who's going to sit here and complain about 11-5 and five, and not just the record but the overall direction of the franchise? They learned from the lumps. You can take lumps and never learn. I think they learned. And I think right now it feels like they're being pretty good owners. And the way they're being pretty good owners is by not really, it's seemingly having much to say about football because they have football people they trust. It's been pretty amazing that as they got this right this past year, and I know COVID kept some folks away from being very visible around the around the stadium and whatnot, but like it was finally a situation where like, oh, I haven't seen the Haslam's in a long time. I haven't seen them at all. And it was kind of cool. Like hearing them talk today was interesting too. It's it's to me what's fascinating is 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 they were able to to give Paul De Podesta the reins, like you said, or trust, believe in him. And I don't know if you watch the building the Browns, Doug, but like the offseason program starting, they have all the people involved in the offseason program, and in the in the middle of it is Paul De Podesta, like involved in the offseason programming meeting. Like that to me is unique. That's really cool. And that's like that does show a cohesive approach that is that is really unique. That they have, and maybe they've got you know, Columbus crew and they got a whole bunch of other things going on. Uh, but it's cool to see them just set it aside and 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 let it run. So I was interested in your opinion on the Haslam's because they just don't get talked about much, and it's it's something that came up today and it sparked something for me. I'll ask you too, kind of before we go here. I like your big picture view on some things. Baker Mayfield, you know, I think I think this guy. It's interesting that that every time Doug, I see something. Uh, Pro football, the, the the sites, the check down, the ones that kind of put out like, who's going to stop this Browns offense? Or, you know, Colin Cowherd will say, everybody will say the only thing stopping the Browns is Baker Mayfield. And it's like, I thought he played pretty well for two thirds of last season. I've been a critic of Baker when he's deserved to have had some voices that said, this guy's not playing well. But I thought he was really good the last two thirds of last year. So, and and something to me that has been really encouraging is, I haven't heard a sound from Baker Mayfield. He had his press conference the other day, and you don't hear anything from him. And I see a guy who, the way he's talking, you know, we talked about this when he came in and the Duke Johnson situation happened. Some other situations pop up. He just wasn't there yet. And I think he's getting there. I think that the way he's talking, the way the quotes he's giving, you know, the money will come when we win, worried about the right things all the time. I think he's in a good place, man, and I really think he's set to break out this year. Are you still kind of worried about him, or do you think like this young man is figuring it out, not just from a football perspective, but from what it takes off the field, quotes you give, life balance you need, all of that stuff? No, I, I think I see all the same things you do. I, I don't have any questions, and I do think the only way that you really have questions is like is the Patrick Mahomesing of the NFL, that if you're – like, well, until my team has Patrick Mahomes, I'm not going to be happy with the quarterback. And listen, mm -hmm. the Super Bowl last year was Tom Brady, the best quarterback ever, against Patrick Mahomes. 
the guy who may someday take away his title of the best quarterback ever. But you can't live that way, mm -hmm. right? I, I mean, you can't. What are you going to do? Are you going to cut Baker and try to tank again and hope that when you pick in the draft, you pick Patrick Mahomes? Like, you can't live that way. Baker Mayfield's good enough to win a Super Bowl. And it's such a quarterback-driven league. And there are these guys. There are. And it's not just two. I mean, there's four, six, eight guys who just can do amazing things. Aaron Rodgers can do amazing things. Russell Wilson can do amazing things, right? Deshaun Watson can do amazing things. We all know the guys. But I don't think Baker Mayfield has to be that. Doesn't have to be a magician. And I do feel like at times, the way the league has gone, it feels like you have to have a magician to win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know that that's true. I think you need a good quarterback that you can trust and believe in and who doesn't make mistakes and can make key winning plays at key situations for sure. But I think he can be that. I think he is that. I think he's on the way to that. And the more he's with Kevin Stefanski, I think he'll only progress in that. But I do think if and when the Browns win a Super Bowl, it will not be because Baker Mayfield's a magician. It'll be because top to bottom, one through 53 on the roster, front office to head coach to owner cohesion, that it's a very well-run franchise with a lot of good players. And that's a pretty good way to win. So I believe in Baker, but I also think we have to be careful of we have to realize what he's not, and we have to understand that's okay. They can win a Super Bowl with exactly what he is. Yeah, and that's ultimately what – I mean, I know Baker's – I'm not even saying he's in the in the realm of Tom Brady, but that Tampa Bay win was a group of guys who got along to, to Tom Brady's personality. They, I mean, Tom Brady didn't win them playoff games. Like, he didn't do that. But he was – what he brought them was a level of confidence through leadership, through presence. Now, Tom has earned that over 20 years of great play. I'm, I, that's To me, that's where Baker, if Baker becomes a guy who's in that breath of player of, of Deshaun and all of those guys and, you know, ultimately Pat and, and some of these guys too, like he's going to have to have that. The leadership is going to have to be so good, so dynamic that it filters to everybody else and everyone raises their game too. Because, you know, that's a big thing that I don't think it's talked about enough is, Tom was great. He's fine. But, like, he didn't win them that Super Bowl. The way Tampa Bay won that Super Bowl and why you said to yourself, Doug, the Browns could win the Super Bowl, they could beat Tampa Bay, is because they play similar to Tampa Bay. And they, they are trying to build it the same way. Defense that can rush the passer. Just good enough in the secondary so that your pass rush can get home. You know, and then you have a, an offense that capitalizes on opportunistic situations. That's where they want to get. And yeah, there will be times where hero football, Pat Mahomes, those guys make it happen. But like, I don't think, like you said, I don't think Baker's ever going to be a guy who can just create out of thin air, but he has a live enough arm. He can, he's starting to, in my opinion, the game is slowing down for him and uh, it's, it's all there for the taking. So I was curious your opinion on that, that we have spent 26 minutes talking Browns and a myriad of topics, Doug, this has been fun, man. Um, always enjoy checking in. I, I hope, uh, Hope everything's well, and I appreciate you coming on, my friend. Thanks for having me, Jake. Always good to see you, and uh, we still got a lunch to hit sometime, so we, we'll we plan do. that we, next. We will do that. Guys, thanks for joining us tonight. We will have our last live mock draft tomorrow night. Myself, Steve, we may have a guest. We may not. Who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens, but it'll be our last live mock. We would love for you to join us. Give us comments on what you think of that mock. Check us out tomorrow. Until we check back in, and until usual, well, that's what, that was stupid. 
as usual, I'm doing Jake. I put a, a Doug. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing Jake. Jake. I'm doing Jake. As usual, guys, we're just going to leave. Go Browns. Have a good night. Jeez. See you later. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.